Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are talking to Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow is a nurse practitioner, CEO, and founder of the Everyday Wellness Project. She's also an international speaker with over 9.6 million views for her second TED Talk, Intermittent Fasting Transformational Technique. With over 20 years experience in health and wellness, Cynthia is a globally recognized expert in intermittent fasting and nutritional health. She's been featured on ABC, Fox 5, KTLA, CW, Medium Entrepreneur, and The Megan Kelly Show. And I cannot believe that she is my friend. You guys, I have watched Cynthia grow tremendously over these last two years. If you have been a listener of the podcast for a couple years, you've also heard her talk with us before on perimenopause. And today we're talking more about that. We're talking about her book and yes, her book is about intermittent fasting, but also about proactively chasing health and how to be healthy when you are in your forties, when you are going through this second puberty, if you have already gone through perimenopause, we'll also address what you need to do in that postmenopausal phase. I have truly enjoyed learning about intermittent fasting in Cynthia's book because she's someone that I trust and I love her approach to intermittent fasting because she says right off the bat, if you are not addressing all of the other lifestyle factors first, intermittent fasting is not going to work. And also, if you're already under a tremendous amount of stress, intermittent fasting also will not work. So I love and trust Cynthia. I love her approach. Um, I would recommend anyone reading her book if you are interested in intermittent fasting and get an actual expert's opinion on it and learn how to do it the right way if you are going to do it. As you all know, there is no one size fits all strategy for every single person. So the best thing that we can do is learn about these things, try them out, work with coaches, work with people who know what they're talking about and find what works best for us. So without further ado, I will introduce Cynthia to you in the podcast and we will get going. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We are in for a treat today because the lovely and talented and brilliant Cynthia Thurlow is with us. And she has been on the podcast before. She talked to us about perimenopause. That was one of the most listened to episodes of 2021, Cynthia. Um, And now she's back to talk to us about, I can't believe you wrote a book. She wrote a book about intermittent fasting called The Intermittent Fasting Transformation. Um, I've got it right here. I've been enjoying it. Cynthia, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's hard to believe it's been over a year since I connected with you. I know you have done a lot in this past year, both in your professional and your personal life. But I think that's what makes life interesting, right? I think if we didn't evolve, shift and grow, I mean, how boring would we be? So I I look at it as- Absolutely. And it just goes to show you what can happen in a year's time frame like time just flies by and i think that's why it's so important that we're intentional with our lives and what we do every single day because before you know it another year has gone by now so- i think having i think being a parent really demonstrates that like i my 14 year old said to me while we were walking one of our dogs who will be 10 in march that he finally understood what i meant when I said time is fleeting because he said, mom, we've had Cooper since I was four years old and now I'm 14. And he said, I can't believe it. And so I I think it's, it's important for all of us to recognize, like make, make our lives count because it goes by so quickly, even though if it feels like we're in slow motion. (laughs) I agree with you. And I think that's important to point out. You were not, I'm sure five years ago, maybe this book wasn't on the radar for you. Can you tell people about your background? You, I mean, you have been very methodical with what you've been doing the last two years, but how did you get here? (laughs) 
Well, I mean, I think the easiest way to explain it is, you know, when I decided not to go to law school a thousand years ago and then pivoted and started pre-med classes, I never had any idea that I would end up as an inner city Baltimore ER nurse. And I would later spend 16 years working in cardiology. But when I became a parent, I started to look differently at the world, I think as most of us do, but I had a child with life-threatening food allergies. And so all of a sudden I started really being thoughtful about food and nutrition and the interrelationship with health. And I read a book called The Unhealthy Truth. This is why like, I'm such an avid reader because books really can change your life. Mm -hmm. And so Robin O'Brien's book, I read it and it made me mad. I was like, this is one of the reasons why my son has food allergies. It's just unacceptable. It's like profit over safety. Mm -hmm. And so that got me increasingly more interested. Did I want to do a doctoral program? And so I tried that and hated it. And then I did a wellness coaching program. And then I read another book called Eat the Oaks. And when I read this book, I reached out to the author and I said, where did you get your training? Because it's completely the antithesis of everything I learned in school. Mm -hmm. And so I I actually literally the next day signed up for this functional nutrition program. And that lit me up. I was like, food is my jam. That is what I'm most interested in. And so while I was doing this program, I was, you know, talking to my cardiology colleagues and trying to get them interested in talking to our patients more about nutrition and lifestyle medicine and the current way that allopathic medicine is structured, it's not structured to allow for that. It's very focused on volume. Um, it's very pharmaceutical driven and mediated. And we've conditioned our patients to ask for pills over asking for direction on how to change lifestyle. So six years ago, I left clinical medicine. It'll be six years on April 1st, which is hard to wrap my head around. And I would never recommend any, anyone do what I did. I, I, I literally quit my job with no business plan looked at my husband, who's an engineer and a finance guy, and like very, very, very methodical, responsible, and did completely the opposite. I just leaped, didn't look, and I just said, I know I'm going to be successful. And so, you know, confidence is a good thing, right? I don't know if it was confidence or stupidity, (laughs) but ultimately I landed in a place where I was serving women who felt like their needs were not being met. They felt like they were invisible and and middle age is fraught with a lack of information, a lack of focus. And so let me speed forward a little bit. Um, You know, within a year I was profitable. And then I went on to, as an introvert, wanted to challenge myself. And so I was like, I'm going to do a Ted talk that will challenge me. And so that was the beginning. And so uh, I did a Ted talk in 2018. I did one in 2019 the one in 2019 just kind of took my business and catapulted it. So no, if you had asked me three years ago, would I be actually three years ago, three years ago today, I left the hospital after a 13 day hospitalization. If you had asked me three years ago today, would I be here? Never would have believed it. So I really do believe that, you know, with passion can drive purpose. And so I feel like in a lot of ways that I was meant to do, to continue serving others and to can you continue to serve women, mm-hmm. but in a very different capacity. But if anyone had ever asked me if I was going to write a book, I would have said, no way. Writing my thesis in graduate school was, was really hard. <laughs> so I remembered that and I was like, I'm never going to write a book. And yet the beautiful thing is that I managed to write a proposal for a book and write a book amidst all the craziness of the last two years. And so I think when you set your mind to something, and I I think I just felt that this book needed to be stated because these are the things I wish I had known Mm -hmm. when I was 40-ish, you know, as opposed to where I am now. Like, these are the things, even as a clinician, I wish I had known because I could have impacted more women's lives positively back then where in my 20s and 30s, and I had middle-aged women coming in complaining of the things that most women now complain about. I had no idea why they were happening, but now like I've lived through it. Now I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. So that's a little bit about how I got from point A to point B, but I never would have imagined a very introverted nurse practitioner that was born in South Carolina, grew up in New Jersey, would ever be doing the things I'm doing. But I'm so glad because I feel like intellectually and professionally, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. Yeah, I feel so too. Just with knowing you and seeing you thrive, there's no doubt about it. I want to point out something you just said. This is something that really makes me so angry. And I was talking about today on my Instagram, you said uh, profit over safety, because I see this um, so often. People who have been in programs for a very long time, they come to me in the worst shape. 
like literally being in Weight Watchers since they were 12 years old. This is a real life story that they are the ones that are most overweight. They are the ones that have the biggest problem. They've been doing a diet forever. Keep going back to it. And it's like, how is that even, how is that legal? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, and I think I'll be the first person to say, you ask people that are in my programs, sometimes I say to them, you need to back off on fasting. Like your, oh. your body is running a marathon every day. It is depleted. You need to back off. I'm not suggesting like digestive rest is great. Everyone needs that, but don't do 20 hour fast. Like, isn't that the mentality we have instilled in women is that more is better, yep. more fasting, more lifting, more extreme exercise, more hit. And, and there are people out there in the, the health and wellness space that propagate this. And it, it's one of those things, like I used to kind of see it and I would try to unsee it. And now I see it. And I always say to my team, we need to do better. Like we need to lead with integrity because if, if everyone led with integrity, I think things would be very different. And it's really like honoring who we are in time and space. Like right now in the midst of a book launch, um, I'm really, really, really focused on my sleep. And so I don't go to the gym every day. I mean, I do some type of physical activity every day and I lift every other day, but I give myself a break in between because my body in a lot of ways needs that recovery. And so I'm sure you would probably be super aligned. And I like lean into my aura ring. Like not everyone has an aura ring, but when my thing is screaming at me, I listen, like I, I pay attention. Cause I'm like, listen, if my recovery index is not where it should be, then that means it's a day I'm going to walk outside with my dogs mm-hmm. and I'm going to connect with my husband and get some sunshine and like, just get some, like walking is great. No one's ever going to get trouble for walking, <laughs> but, but these people out there, like I have women who were in their forties, fifties and sixties, and they're killing themselves in these programs. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I want to believe that, you know, they're, they're trying to do the best they can, but it's like, your body is trying to communicate and it's like, you're not listening. It's almost like, just like when people are insulin resistant, you know, your, your insulin's trying to knock on the door to let glucose into the cell and the cell's gone. Nope. Can't hear you. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And I just tell people it's, it's like, we're, we're resistant to listening to what our body is trying to tell us. And it's really really important. And I'm just as guilty. Like that's why I hit perimenopause. Like I hit a wall because I was doing all the wrong things. Thought they were, you know, they're healthy things, but they weren't the right amount of, it was too much stress, too much pressure, too much on my body. And so, as I said earlier, it's like benefit from the things I did wrong. So you don't make the same mistakes. Absolutely. So let's, let's back up. What if someone like we understand what fasting is, but how do you do it? What is intermittent fasting? Does that mean I take a day where I don't fast? Is it a, that the, a fasting window? Can you explain to us what exactly intermittent fasting is? Yeah, it's, it's really as simple as saying eating less often. And for some of us, like if you are 30 years old and super lean, you may fast for 14 hours twice a week. Mm-hmm. If you are perimenopausal, menopausal, you may be able to fast every day, but there's all these caveats. So depending on what your goals are, depending on how lean you are, depending on how well you sleep can determine how long or the duration of fasting, the frequency of fasting. But as a general rule, I generally recommend that women approach it as where are you in life stage? So if you're under the age of 35, still at peak fertile years, you're in one bucket. Perimenopause is another bucket, five to 10 years preceding menopause. Menopause is 12 months without a menstrual cycle. Depending on what bucket you're in, you have to like lean in more to those lifestyle pieces. If you're, like I said, if you're a lean 30 year old, you don't need to be fasting every day. Does digestive rest help? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you're training for something like you're doing an Ironman or you're doing heavy, heavy competition, you're very athletic. Generally, I don't recommend you fast every day and you have to lean into your menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Same thing with perimenopausal women, except the caveat is north of like late thirties, all of a sudden sleep becomes far more important, mm-hmm. um, stress management. And this is not saying I meditate for two minutes and thinking that fixes all the things, because let's be clear, being able to move back and forth between the autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic, I'm being chased by a rabid animal, rest and repose, meaning I can be relaxed, I can digest my food, I can have an orgasm, et cetera, very different. Most of us are stuck in the sympathetic drive. 
And then the nutrition piece. And for a lot of people, this is um, very triggering because they've been able to eat whatever they want for as long as they've been eating. And all of a sudden <laughs> it's like mother's nature's like throwing you, uh, let's just complicate things. All of a sudden things you used to be able to eat, you can't eat anymore. And so whether that's gluten or grains or dairy or alcohol, whatever it is, processed sugars, whatever it is, like really paying attention to how it impacts your body. And then the exercise piece, which I know you and I are super aligned on, like all of a sudden, let me backtrack, peak bone mass and muscle mass, 20s and 30s. No one taught me that. I don't even remember ever learning that because it wasn't emphasized, mm -hmm. but we start losing muscle mass and bone mass as we get closer to menopause. And it's not a question of if, but when, like you will lose bone mass, you will lose muscle mass. And so those things impact metabolic flexibility, insulin resistance, um, as we're losing hormones, it impacts insulin sensitivity. So this is why you can be thin at 45 and someone can say to you, well, you're insulin resistant. You're like, well, wait a minute, I'm thin. I exercise, I do all the things. And I just remind people that all these hormones, as I talk about a lot in the book, all these hormones work together to keep you, to maintain homeostasis. But the, the playing field changes when we go through reverse puberty. Like I joke that I have kids, I have a 16 year old who's six foot one almost. And I have a 14 year old who's five, six. And like, as their hormones are just exploding, um, mine have started to kind of like, you know, they're kind of like petering off, you know, yes. the sex hormone piece. So reminding women, like this is, if we live long enough, this is a, this is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. that we get to a point where we don't have to worry about tampons and pads. And when am I getting my menstrual cycle? It's like, all of a sudden we get a break, but there there's, there's a cost benefit. Like you have to kind of lean into the things you have to do differently. And so I encourage women to look at it from a place of like wonder, isn't it great that I'm at, I've lived long enough to no longer need to procreate like number one, you don't have to worry about contraception, but also the fact that it's our wisdom years. Like a, a colleague of mine said that. And I was like, that's exactly how many of us feel like we no longer care what people think. Um, obviously we care, but you know, it's not a focus of my life. It's not something I worry about. doesn't keep me up at night. And so I think for a lot of women, like leaning into the benefits of each stage recognizing that perimenopause in many ways, how well we navigate it is a reflection of how well we take care of ourselves and how many of us don't lean into self-care. Don't they feel guilty when they do. And yet self-care is not selfish. Mm -hmm. And so the way to navigate those middle age years is you have to honor where you are. There's a point of acceptance. Yes. It's not something to fear, but it's also honoring your body's like honoring what your body is telling you. Like, I'll give you an example um, I grew up as a, a child of an alcoholic parent. And so I never was a big drinker, not in college, high school, et cetera, twenties, thirties. And, you know, I got made fun of quite a bit and I didn't really care about that. But during the past two years, the one thing I came to find out was I was like, you know, when I'm home with my husband and my family, which we've done a lot of that, um, I don't really drink alcohol because I, I was only doing a social setting. And when I drink alcohol, I get hot flashes. And it's the only time I get hot flashes and I'm super protective of my sleep. And so I made this decision during the past two years that I was like, I'm not going to drink anymore. Nope. I don't miss it at all. Like at all. It, it seems kind of strange when you do things socially. And I've said to people, you put a lime in any sparkling water. No one knows the difference at all. If it makes you feel uncomfortable or you can have like, there's so many mocktails that are out there that are low sugar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's something that no longer served me, but definitely played a large role in the influence of decisions I made around alcohol growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, but each one of us has to decide like what no longer serves us. And that could look different for each one of us, like bioindividuality rules. And that's definitely something I talk a lot about, like you could put 10 women together and they all do things differently, but they're all doing well. And that's totally fine. I, I think it's so important that we come to this realization, this acceptance, because, you know, I like to say, well, I can eat anything. Yes, I can. But I'm now at that age where if I eat like some processed crackers, I feel it right away. Same mm -hmm. thing with the alcohol. I, my, I get so hot during my sleep, yeah. my sleep score tanks. Yeah. And I think that's something we really need to be cognizant of. Okay. You can do all the things that you used to do, but you may not be able to eat all the things that you used to eat. And you're going to feel so much better when you you know, say goodbye to them or come to that realization yeah. or minimize them. You were talking yeah. about that on your social the other day. Yeah. We can't get away with what we used to get away with. No. And I was, so we're doing this whole kind of people like it when I'm snarky. Yes, we <laughs> so, do. 
<laughs> yes. And so, um, you know, my team and I are kind of running with this snark because I, because I, I think that reels or TikTok or whatever video people utilize on social media, it's a way to kind of see someone's personality. And I'm a straight shooter. I mean, I'll be the first person to say, and so I told my team, let's balance like talking about food and other things with a little bit of snark, not to scare anyone, but I'm snarky on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've really enjoyed that because there are so many things that just, it's like a consistent theme that I see all the time. And I'm like, listen, you can't eat like you did when you were 25. You can't behave like you did when you were 25 because your body is going to let you know that it is not happy with you. And so for me, sleep is like the, my kids think it's funny again, teenagers. And I go to bed before they do. My husband has to stay up. I'm like, I will be the early person. You will be the late person. Like you stay up later. I get up earlier to get all the things done, but they think it's funny. I'm like, guys, you don't understand. Like, I don't feel good if I don't get at least eight hours a night of sleep. And I, I know and it's like, my like, sleep scores reflect that. I know. So, the other night, this is kind of intimate and personal, but like Pat was trying to initiate, you know, with me. And I was like, babe, my sleep score, it's 11 o'clock. I can't do this right now. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, we're like morning people because the, nine. The kid, yeah, the kids go off to school and I'm like, nope, you have between this time and this time, this is when I can fit you in the schedule because nighttime does not work for me. Nighttime is I want to like put my head on the pill. Like my sleep latency is like three minutes. Like by the time I'm in bed, but it's also, I take progesterone and that helps. So okay. I always say like the sleep latency is not 12 or 15 minutes. Like it should be, it's a byproduct of taking progesterone, which is fine with me. Yeah, but absolutely. other than that, my sleep scores are like pristine most of the time. And I'm very protective of them. Like, I mean, during the past few years, I laugh, like the things I now realize about my body, number one, my body likes to be in bed before nine 30. Number two, my body likes to stop eating by five o'clock at night, which sounds weird. But if I eat at seven, my aura ring is squawking at me. Like really? it's not happy. Yeah. My, my, so it's a couple things. Like it impacts my deep sleep. Cause it's too close. Like, you know, that we have, we actually have um, melatonin clocks in our gut, which explains why if you eat too close to bedtime, it messes with your sleep. Cause your body's like, I'm still digesting or trying to move food along, mm-hmm. but that is number one which makes me sound very strange. I was like, clearly I'm becoming uh, a early bird special. But, but I'll tell you one thing, like, I feel so much better that I'm like, I'll just lean into that. Yeah. And my whole family knows, like I sit down with my kids when they eat dinner, or I sit down with my husband. Um, we occasionally all eat dinner at the same time. That's usually on the weekends. But the point I'm saying is don't feel like honoring things that are important for your health should be, if so, who cares if they think it's weird? Like my I family know. makes fun of me because I don't drink too. That's another thing, right. but I just accept that now. I'm like, that's, that's their issue. That's not my issue. This is what works for me. And, you know, I can be social into the evening. I just prefer to, you know, shut down that feeding window so that I'm my, you know, screaming aura ring. That's like unhappy. I literally feel like it's like yelling at me in my ear. <laughs> so one thing I really love about your approach is you make sure that people are addressing other lifestyle factors first and in addition to, so you straight up say in your book, like if you are a hot mess with stress, fasting might not be the thing for you to do right now. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about these other lifestyle factors that we need to be focusing on. We already talked about sleep, reducing alcohol. What else can we do? So we're feeling our best and making sure we're in a good spot so we can do intermittent fasting. Yeah, it's a great question. So first and foremost, fasting is a form of hormesis or hermetic stress. So it's the right amount of stress at the right time in the right amount. So it may be that right now you are not in a position to be able to add to your stress bucket and that is okay. That can change. But when I think about things that stress the body, we've alluded to some of those sleep quality, um, wrong types of exercise. If you're doing like, and I hate to pick on these two things, but it's a good example. Someone says to me, I've been doing CrossFit five days a week. I'm like, well, um, maybe you can get away with that at 20, but not in your forties and fifties. That's not a good thing. So you need recovery, super important. So right types of exercise, um, obviously strength training's a number one, you know, just being physically active. Number two, something for for mobility. So like some type of flexibility work, whether it's Pilates or yoga, et cetera. And then, you know, the anti-inflammatory nutrition piece. I mean, it goes without saying that women don't eat enough protein. They eat too many carbs and they eat the wrong types of fat. And so once you kind of flip that and you start to focus in on 30 to 40 grams of protein with each meal, um, you're going to hit those satiety cues. You're not going to go looking for like junk in your pantry or your kitchen 
because you're going to be full. You're like, I'm too full to eat anything else. Leaning into like, yeah, like leaning into non-starchy vegetables, right types of fats are going to be like avocado, um, olives, um, you know, butter, ghee are going to be better choices than inflammatory seed oils and, you know, canola oil, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil. Number one consumed fat in the United States is soybean oil because so many people eat processed food. So just as like something to think about. And then there's also, you know, the hormone piece, like acknowledging that, um, you know, especially in the middle age years that you have a responsibility to yourself to try to make sure you're getting that sleep piece so that balances melatonin and cortisol that, you know, you're, you're eating foods that balance your blood sugar. Um, unfortunately, the concept of eating three meals a day and snacks and stoking your metabolism could not be more incorrect. Right. Um, in fact, when I work on people that are, have broken metabolisms, we talk about the fact they've got to restructure their macros. And I'm sure your guests uh, and listeners are like super savvy with macros, but a lot of women don't know because they bought into this like Weight Watchers Nutrisystem where they're chronically under eating that their bodies are like screaming for food. And so they're not going to, they're not going to sit down and eat the healthy stuff. They're going to grab like whatever carb laden processed food, crappy stuff yeah. is hundred pounds. Exactly. And so and all the things. Yeah. And so like, those are the, those are the lifestyle pieces. And I think it's also understanding that our bodies, when they get comfortable, they don't grow. And I don't mean grow like physically grow. I mean, intellectually, psychologically, we don't grow. And so this is when I talk to people about like doing hit or Tabata, it's designed to be uncomfortable when you're, when you're lifting heavier weight, it is designed to be a little not uncomfortable. So you hurt yourself yeah. um, when you are um, cycling carbohydrates or you are experimenting with different sleep strategies, or you are taking a cold shower or you're exposing yourself to extremes of temperature, it is designed to make you grow. And so I remind people that comfort is a liar. You know, comfort yes. is not good for growth. And so we have to make ourselves uncomfortable physically, psychologically, spiritually, mentally, what have you. And so part of that are some of the things that I'm sure, you know, we both talk about, but really important to understand that it's okay to be hungry. Yes. It's okay to be cold. Yeah. In fact, my husband is now completely crazy and like looks at the temperature in the morning and always wears less outer gear when we walk. <laughs> Um, because he's like, this is hormesis, this is good for my body. And so then he encourages me to do the same thing, but whether it's 20 seconds, 30 seconds of a cold shower or doing cryotherapy or doing infrared sauna, or, you know, just exposing yourself to a sauna at the gym. I mean, we want to grow as organisms and this is a way to make ourselves more resilient and stronger. And isn't that so important? Like what has the last two years taught us? Like we want to be stronger and more resilient. Honestly. And you're right. We are becoming weaker because everything is so convenient. We get everything so quickly. Nobody knows how to work for anything or stick with anything. And I love this perspective of it. Yes, we need to be resilient. I, 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 I've never heard anyone talk about this in, along with this subject matter of fasting. I love it. Mm -hmm. yeah, and also infrared like sauna, Pat, Again, we need to get one. I keep trying to tell Pat, I need an infrared sauna in my house. He's pushing I know, we're, <laughs> I'm working on Todd. <laughs> it's like one of those things where I just keep saying, we really need one in our house because every time I have to pay to go use one, when I think about like the cost benefit, it wouldn't it be nice to just have one so we could just do it whenever, not having to worry about anyone else's germs or anything else in there. Exactly. So I'm actively working on that myself, but I think that it's really important. Like hormesis is something that really is a guiding principle in my life. And this even means like down to food. Like I'll give you an example, like bitter in nature means high polyphenol, high antioxidants. So this is why I encourage people, like if you drink coffee, maybe a couple of days a week, try a bitter tea, like black tea, green tea, because the bitter tea it's polyphenol rich. It's actually, there are, there are compounds in there. Same thing with black coffee that are designed to be beneficial, boost fat oxidation, as well as multiplicity of other things, but even like bitter vegetables. I, I think about radicchio. I think about arugula. I think about bitter greens. They're good for your gallbladder, for your liver. It doesn't mean you eat five cups of them. Maybe you have two bites to start. Mm -hmm. Like radicchio is beautiful, 
Rosa radicchio is ridiculously bitter, but I just tell my kids, take a bite. Like one bite is better than none. Of course they hate me for it, but I remind them, you know, you're doing lots of good things for your body, but our palates are so conditioned for sweet Mm -hmm. that we reject bitter and yet bitter is important. Well, you were talking about protein and talking about how, um, about cravings that we have that I don't know about you. I'm assuming it's the same. The once I get a client eating enough protein, magically their cravings disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And they're under eating. I mean, that's a lot of it. So again, it's that whole triad. I call it too many carbs, not enough protein, wrong types of fats. And so when I tell women to really push the protein lever, I'm like, protein lever is always pushed, whether it's a higher carb day, a lower carb day. Um, If you're higher carbs, it's less fat. If it's higher fat, it's less carbs. But reminding people like that is the consistent thing. Like I probably eat about 50 grams when I eat a meal, which is a lot, but I've worked my way up to it. And I'm very cognizant. Like that's really the only macro I pay a ton of attention to because I know if I eat enough, that I'm not going to want more food. I just sit down with my non-starchy vegetables. So for a lot of women, that is surprising. It could be, maybe you start instead of four ounces of meat at six. Um, If you like to weigh your food and some people do, and and that's okay. As long as you're not restrictive about it, I think that can be hugely impactful. Like you go and maybe you're getting a steak somewhere, ask for the 12 ounce and take home the extra. Like you can always eat it next time. Like my husband and I went out for Valentine's day to a steakhouse and um, I had like, eight ounces of filet and I had some shrimp and I ended up taking home part of what I didn't eat. Mm-hmm. And I just ate it the next day. And so I just remind people that if you're currently doing 50 or 60 grams of protein a day, every week, push it up, put it up to 10 more, 20 more, 30 more like Dr. Gabrielle Lyons, always such a great resource on yes. this. And I like to give her credit because she really changed my whole perspective on, on why muscle protein synthesis is so critically important. And if you can't get if you can't quite wrap your head around like, why do I need to do this? Here's the key. After the age of 40, we start losing muscle mass. That's called sarcopenia. It's not a question of if, but when. Mm-hmm. So very, very important. You're eating enough protein with enough stimulus, which is weight training and high quality sleep because you want to maintain or build. You don't want to lose because muscle is the organ of longevity. It is a glucose reservoir. It contributes to why we are or are not insulin sensitive really important for women to understand this because if you want to head into perimenopause with the perfect storm, keep eating that highly processed, hyperpalatable, carbohydrate-laden diet and wonder why you are inflamed and gaining weight and generally largely unhappy about it. Um, But I see a lot of improvement just with flipping the macros. And and then the other thing is um, I, I think people have gotten so conditioned from like understanding that when your palate is properly balanced. So like you crave good, healthy food like that broccoli and that cauliflower and those Brussels sprouts are going to taste delicious as opposed to people going, you know, I really prefer, prefer corn or potatoes. And I'm like, okay, they have a place. However, (laughs) for women in particular, I really want you for specific reasons. I want you to be eating these non-starchy veggies because you're going to get a whole lot more out of it. And so Um, I love that, you know, we're very aligned on the protein consumption because you can't build muscle if you're not eating enough protein, like protein breaks down to amino acids, which your body can then readily use to help build up your muscle. And we don't want to be losing muscle. Think about how many skinny, like I've started noticing more of this as I get older, I notice more of what the norm is around me. A lot of like skinny, like skinny, they call them tofi, um, thin on the outside, fat on the inside, but they're not healthy they're kind of skinny fat. And so you don't want to be skinny fat. Like that's probably almost worse than, you know, someone who has 20, 30 plus pounds to lose uh, because people assume just because you're thin, it means you're healthy. And that's not always the case. Mm -mm. Well, and that's the deal with the muscle aesthetics aside, that's a byproduct. It's about that longevity about Mm -hmm. you. You're keeping your metabolism where it needs to be. We don't want our metabolism declining. If it does, that means we're going to have to start eating less and less and less. I don't want to be a 60 year old bird lady, like meaning I have to eat like a bird. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I think about my grandmother who was a retired nurse and she would talk very openly, like, you know, and, and this happens for a lot of women. It certainly has happened to me. You know, I hit a certain age and my appetite wasn't what it used to be. And so at the time I didn't know enough. And when my grandmother would tell me this, like she would have one big meal a day. And then she, of course, it was of the generation that would have like a cocktail after five o'clock. Yes. And that was like her day. 
but she was teeny, like this teeny tiny little woman. She could drink any of us under the table (laughs) because she had years and years and years of having that strong cocktail. But I think it's important for people to understand, like, it's not just the locomotion piece of the muscle. It's like, if your muscles atrophy, you can't get off the toilet. How many patients did I take care of when I was working as an NP or as a nurse that couldn't get off the toilet that were young, like fifties and sixties, because they had lost so much muscle mass. They couldn't push themselves off the toilet. And you don't want to be that person because frail people break bones and breaking bones is, uh, you know, especially hip bones is a marker of morbidity and mortality. And so you never want that to happen. It's amazing how, um, you know, I, I think about, you know, family members aside that, you know, they just, they aren't active and they aren't eating the right food. And then all of a sudden they're just contributing to this catabolism. So their body is going in and actually breaking down the muscle. This is what happened to me three years ago when I was in the hospital, breaking down the muscle because your body's like starving. So it just catabolizes all this muscle. We don't want that to happen. And so, um, you know, we're trying to encourage as many women as possible. I don't care if you do bands and body weight exercises, something got to do something, do something. Yeah. So one thing that you mentioned a little bit ago was this flexibility, mm-hmm. metabolic flexibility, I believe. Can you explain what that is and why we want to be flexible? Yeah. So it's, so most of us have a broken metabolism. So we stay in this position where our body is not ever efficient at using energy. So we're using predominantly carbohydrates the way to tell this is if you get hangry in between meals, if you struggle to lose weight, um, if you lose a lot of energy in between eating meals, you get like an energy slump after a meal, as opposed to being fat adapted, which means your body is more efficient with using fuel and you'll, you're not hungry in between meals. You can easily lose weight. You have sustained energy. And Jason Fung, I always like to give him credit for this amazing concept or analogy Look at the refrigerator, the refrigerator, you open up the refrigerator. Those are the carbohydrates. They're easy to access. You can use them, but they, you burn off the energy quickly. You have to burn through all the carb stores before you can use the fat. And so that's the same kind of analogy and methodology. When you're metabolically flexible, your body can flip back and forth. When your metabolism is broken, you're inflexible. You stay stuck in the carbohydrate burning mode. And it's very, very hard. These are the people that become insulin resistant, leptin resistant. They struggle to lose weight. Um, They're the people that, you know, eat, you know, they're eating carbs all day long and I call them carb burners. It's a terrible name, but it's, it's, you know, gives people an idea. And so, you know, one of the ways that you work on this is by properly putting your meals together and not eating too frequently. We are not designed to eat mini meals and snacks. Like the processed food industry has derailed many a health (laughs) out there because we should not be eating a bunch of like junk food all day long. And and if you're eating what is recommended, like cereal or oatmeal for breakfast, and then you're having a, you know, a granola bar two hours later, and then for lunch, you're having a big sandwich. And then, you know, you're having um, frappuccino in the middle of the afternoon, and then you're having dinner and it's a big bowl of pasta with a tiny portion of protein. And Lord knows you're not using the right fats. And then you're kind of hungry after dinner. So maybe you're having like ice cream. I mean, you set yourself up that your insulin levels are never lowered and insulin, when insulin's low, that's when your body can go in and free up fatty acids to break down for energy. Mm-hmm. And I remind people that, you know, insulin's not a bad hormone, unfortunately it gets oh. a bad rap, but one of the studies that I most recently uh, read and have been quoting quite a bit is that 88.2% of Americans are unhealthy. This was a study done in 2018. I know that number has to be much closer to 90%. So if you're wondering if you're metabolically healthy, you might not be. I know most of us that are. Were, of Americans are not healthy. Yeah, metabolically healthy. Metabolic. And so other markers include things like high blood pressure, which is generally related to insulin resistance, um, low HDL, high triglycerides, um, waist circumference. So if your waist circumference is more than 45 inches, if you're a man, more than 35 inches if you're a woman, um, what your fasting glucose is. Um, I would actually include fasting insulin because that's oftentimes the very first biomarker that will just regulate years before fasting glucose. Most people, by the time they get a diabetes diagnosis, were probably pre-diabetic 10 or longer years before. So really important for people to understand the interrelationship. Like what are your metabolic health markers? What are they? Because this is how you can determine if you need to, course correct. Mm -hmm. And really it's critically important. We are becoming such an unhealthy population that I almost feel like it's become a public health threat. And and so more and more of us need to be speaking out about these things. 
Because if you wait until the average healthcare provider diagnoses you with diabetes, you had it 10 years before. One of my best friends from high school who I adore like a sister and I had to have a really frank conversation. And so she told me all her labs and I was like, okay, so you have diabetes. This is what we need to do. And she called me the other day and she was so frustrated, (laughs) lovingly frustrated. She's like, I hate walking, but I'm doing it every day because you told me it helps with insulin sensitivity. And I was like, that's right. Walk after a meal. Um, And she's not loving doing strength training, but she's doing bodyweight exercise. I was like, I am so proud of you because you are heading in the right direction. And there are so many things we can do. It's not, you know, it, it, that's the one thing that I, I think is so important for people to understand. There is always hope. There are always ways to turn things around. Yes. Lifestyle changes are hard. People want a quick fix. There are no quick fixes. Like, I just want to be really clear about that. You have to put in the work. Um, And and that's that's hard to hear because we've conditioned our patients to ask for a pill for a problem that really needs to be fixed predominantly by changing lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. And it's harder. Yes, it's harder to go to bed earlier. It's harder to meal prep. It is harder to set aside time to exercise every day. It is harder to do stress management. I hate meditating. I'll be the first person to say it. It is not my thing. However, I have so many workarounds because I always say like, if I don't want to do something, it tells me I need to be doing it. Like whether or not it's yoga or meditation, when I say, I don't want to do something, it's my body's way of saying, you need to be doing more of this because if it were easy, then you wouldn't be growing. So for everyone that's listening and saying, oh my gosh, there's so much start with one thing Mm -hmm. like that will make a huge difference and then kind of expand your repertoire. And I, I would be the first person to say like, I'm constantly working on my stuff. Like I'm I will be doing therapy for the rest of my life. I'll be doing Reiki and energy work the rest of my life. I'm always working on the things Mm -hmm. because I think it's important for all of us to do like self-exploration, self-development. It's how we evolve as humans. Um, Otherwise we stay static and comfortable and that's no good. I agree. And, you know, I know not everyone is in the same position as we are where like you are your brand, I am my brand, but there's honestly a lot of people, no matter, even if you work for someone else in corporate America, you are a brand. Mm-hmm. And so to me, if I want to keep my brand um, alive and growing and attractive to other people, meaning people are attracted to me, I have got to take care of myself. I know you have got to take care of yourself. So if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't serve all these people. Cynthia cannot live out this, like getting the word out. I can't help her get the word out. I can't get my message out if I am not healthy and strong and vibrant. So that's why you need to do it. Like, I know the other day, Cynthia, I had made a post about protein as well. And a woman was like, that's just so much food. I'm like, you're whining about it. Like, do you want to feel good or not feel good? Right. It's It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. And I get it. Like, it's hard to make changes. I can assure you when I started to intermittent fast, I was convinced I was going to die. I was convinced I was going to run out of gas. I was amazed at how good I felt. And then that just kind of steamrolled into other things. And then my husband was watching me. And then, so he started doing it. Now he feels really good. My husband's 52 years old. I mean, he looks better than like most guys in their twenties. And so, you know, he's active. He does all the right things. And so I, I think that on so many levels, like we get it, we are doing the work. We are um, investing and in making sure that we have as much energy and we can, you know, serve our communities and ensure that we serve as good role models. Like my kids like to make fun of me because they're teenagers. Um, but ultimately they're proud because in a lot of ways, it's like, I pre what I preach is what I do. So I'm not ever going to suggest to a client that, um, everything is easy and that, um, I'm not fully transparent. Like I just disclosed, like I struggle with yoga. I struggle with, with quieting my mind, um, which just reinforces that I need to do more of it. And that's how I just lean into it. Like I, the other day I, I, so I'm in a new part of the country and trying out di- different yoga environments. And, um, I, I like yin yoga. Like that's kind of oh, where yeah. I am. Cause everything else I do is so active that it's like, for me, I need to do yin cause it forces me to sit in, in an uncomfortable pose. Uh, and so I was laughing this one class. I didn't realize it was the hot, hot, like Ashtanga hot, like oh, over hundred degrees. And so I'm sitting in the class and I'm sweating so profusely that I was like, no, just not even moving. I'm sweating profusely. And so when I left the class, I felt amazing. And then I told my husband, I was like, if I decide to do that class again, I have to like be mentally ready for it because I was able to physically get through it, but it just reinforces like, if we don't push ourselves, we don't grow. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Well, in wrapping and closing, I have to tell you, 
after we chatted that first time, you were talking about how we don't need to always be eating. And I would, I have my breakfast and then I would have like um, a snack later on before lunch. And I was like, no, Kyle, I don't, you don't need to be eating. Just eat your, eat a larger breakfast and eat a larger lunch. And I've eliminated those snacks and I don't miss them or anything because you were talking about spiking blood sugar every time we eat. Right. So thanks for that. No, you're welcome. Well, and it's, and it's surprising how much better people feel when they're like, I'm full. Yes. I don't want to think about eating anything else. Like I'm not going to eat again until I'm hungry. And I think that's a really important distinction because we've been conditioned that, oh, okay, it's breakfast time I eat and, oh, I'm supposed to get a snack in between. And then, oh, it's lunchtime. I'm not really hungry, but I'm supposed to eat anyway. Yep. And so you're, you're never letting those insulin levels go back down, which is their job. They, they get secreted in response to food consumption and then they, go, they should go back down. Our bodies don't ever get an opportunity to be, become efficient. They're just, our bodies like constantly, it's like, it's like having the best example I can give you is, you know, you top off your tank. Like, I don't know if your parents used to do this, but like my dad was obsessive about topping off the tank. Yes. So your gas, you never run out of gas. You don't let it get to the bottom. You just keep topping it off. It's the same concept. If you don't allow yourself to get hungry, your body's never having an opportunity to burn that gas. This is the best analogy ever because my dad is neurotic in a lot of ways, but especially this, like I let it go all the way down to E, the light is yeah, on. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, but my I've dad, once it gets like below half a tank, gotta go fill that puppy up. I know. I love that, Cynthia. <laughs> oh my gosh. So can everyone get your book now or am I just special because I have it? So you got, you got an advanced copy. Um, so yes, intermittent fasting transformation. I have 45, uh, is available as of March 15th. Um, if you buy the book before then you have the option to, uh, enjoy lots of presale bonuses that will not be available afterwards, including a, um, a masterclass that's being taught on March 10th, um, talking about the biggest, the five biggest, uh, weight loss myths. Cause I felt like it needed to be said, but yeah, there are all these bonuses. There's my clean and 14 program, there's bonus recipes, there's the masterclass, and we might throw in another one. But yeah, those are only available in the pre-sale. But after March 15th, you can get it at Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. And you also, you said you were recording an audiobook the last time we checked. Is that true? We did. Yep. I, it's all finalized. Um, that was quite a process. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Well, and here's the problem. Like I talk fast. Yeah. And so an audiobook, you were supposed to be, it's supposed to be a very intimate conversation. And so I had the producer in my ear the whole first day and I was mad Yeah. because I, I like to walk fast. I talk fast. I think fast. And she was like, Cynthia, this is a very intimate discussion. And so I now am very careful about my cadence, even on my podcast, like I've started to realize like the way I used to record even, um, ads yeah. and it was like, I would punch, I would reemphasize a word and I'm like, Oh, that isn't good. So it was very much a learning experience and, um, very humbling. And I now have a great deal more respect, not that I didn't already for actors, thespians, because enunciating your words, like you cannot imagine, like, as you get tired, and fatigued, you don't enunciate as properly. So when I had to go back and I was like an hour of my time, but go back and like certain sentences, you know, the person, poor person who had to listen to the whole thing, say, oh, this one word, it sounds like, you know, and they would say, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? And then I listened. I was like, oh, it does. It's like mush. Like, I just kind of like got all the, it's like, I did not properly enunciate the word. And it's amazing how challenging that is to do, like have that energy, like three days of recording all day long in a booth where you can't move. Cause if you uncross your legs, you can hear it. So I literally would sit there with a pillow on my stomach. Cause here's the funny thing. Like I don't eat breakfast. So yeah. what happens? Oh, my stomach is growling. They can hear it. They hand me two pillows and I'm literally like this. I'm like the worst posture ever, because if I like did anything, it, the, the microphone is so sensitive that it could pick up everything. So I would have to, if I wanted to uncross my legs, I would have to stop talking uncross my legs, reposition myself, and then wait to speak. So it was very, very interesting. Oh my gosh. That's a rare form of torture. (laughs) It was interesting. I mean, I'm glad that I had the experience and they were all like super professional and wonderful. But the whole time I was like, I'm, I'm shocked at how hard this is. Like, I thought it was going to be easy. I was like, I speak well, I enunciate. Well, evidently not well enough, not consistently. So (laughs) 
Well, I have to tell you too, part of my favorite part of the book, the most valuable thing are the recipes in the back because these are fantastic recipes. Yes. And I think we people think very that, hard on them. you know, healthy eating is boring and it's just chicken and broccoli and rice. Not the case at all. These recipes are amazing. Yeah. I was really, really fortunate. There's a woman I became friends with, Beth Lipton, who I think is one of the most talented chefs that's out there. And we're very aligned about making recipes that are healthy and flavorful and easy. Like I kept saying, don't give me a recipe with like 500 steps because I'm the kind of person I want to do my meal prep and get it over with and move on to the next thing. And so we really worked hard on creating recipes and she was just effortless and easy to work with. So yeah, the the recipes are amazing. And you get bonus recipes if you get the pre-sale. More than even what's in here? Well, we need this book. Wonderful. Oh, and then what's your Instagram handle? I know what it is, but for everyone else. Oh, well, it's, you know, it's funny. So here's the funny thing. This is, this is how I'm going to answer you that when I changed over from my old business name to my new business name, I couldn't have the same handle on every platform. So it's Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. Gotcha. Um, and th- this is what happens when you change your business name. And so you know, you got to work with what, what options you have. You yeah, well, make I'll make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you and yeah. get your book and connect with you. This is so awesome. It's so awesome to watch because I did know you three years ago. I knew you when you got sick and it's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Kylie. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Well, we'll talk to you soon. I hope you all enjoyed learning from Cynthia as much as I did. Reminder, her book will be available to everyone on March 15th. So I've got a link to her book and her social media in the show notes. Make sure you're following her because she is such an excellent resource. As far as what I have to offer you, we have our next round of Lift to Get Lean and Lift to Get Lean Revive for peri and postmenopausal women starting on March 14th. And we would love to have you join us. We're going to be together for eight weeks where we're going to learn how to track our macros, how to change our mindset around food and ourselves, how to be more compassionate with ourselves. We're going to strength train with the progressive overload training program. And you're going to have all the accountability and support that you need. And of course, you can always connect with me on Instagram at the Kylie Larson or check out our lift to get lean website, which is lift to get lean with Kylie.com. Until next time. Have a wonderful day.